Sometimes our commander-in-chief, ideally upholder of the law, fails to inspire us. Take the 1970s. Well, I'm not a crook. Or the 90s. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And now the 21st century. I'm an extremely stable genius. You're about to hear two attorneys make sense out of a legal system some say is a train wreck. Here are Royal Oaks and Connor Oaks. This is Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. And welcome to uh, the show that provides analysis of the top legal stories of the week. Uh, And as you know from the title, Too Many Lawyers, uh, there's this idea in society that I kind of hold. Uh, I'm not sure Connor shares every one of these opinions with me. Too many judges out there, too many lawyers, too many legislators doing really stupid, dopey things. And we like to call them on it. So. Absolutely. I uh, I have a slightly different perspective on it. I, I would say that it is the fault of too many lawyers out there. Uh, but it's there's something unique about the lawyer mindset that makes us think that we are gods for no good reason. Uh, and I think and one we reason need to be zoomed out from one that. One reason people hate, hate lawyers is because lawyers, their, their job is to take a position, whether it's right or wrong or good or bad. They have their hand out, they get paid, and their mm-hmm. job is to be a gladiator. Yeah. And you the know, world's second oldest profession. Maybe, you maybe say. you're, you know, representing the monsters that that uh, protest at uh, soldiers' funerals because mm-hmm. they they hate just uh, homosexuals. Attention. Yeah, or whether people are representing, you know, child molesters, and they know they're a child molester, and they know that if they do a whiz bang job, the guy's going to be back on the street. Or representing Nazis, you know, their right to free speech. Or you know, people Exxon, don't like the fact that Exxon these Mobile gladiators. Executives. Yeah, say, say wherever you are in the political spectrum, there's a bad guy. Yeah. at every spot, no bad guys right in the middle. Like no this. bad guys. Total right centrist. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the reasons people don't like uh, lawyers, I guess. So our top stories today, we're going to get into three issues. Number one is the California recall of Governor Newsom unconstitutional. Or just stupid. Our pal Erwin Chimerinsky thinks it's unconstitutional. We'll be talking about his view. Secondly, should doctors be forced to do sex change operations? What if an MD says, hey, you know, I'll take your appendix out, pal, but I draw the line at sex change. Is that legal? The Obama administration felt it should not be legal, so uh, people are revisiting that issue now. And finally, Mexico has sued American gun makers, and they think that they're just feeding and enabling the cartels. And by the way, we're not supposed to say Mexican cartels anymore. Are you you aware of that, Connor? Just because they're just cartels? We're unfairly labeling them? No, I think the Biden administration does not like the idea of sullying the good name of Mexicans everywhere. And so they have instructed every member of the administration, uh, spanning the globe, don't use the phrase, quote, Mexican cartels, just say drug cartels. Right. I mean, these are drug cartels that operate out of multiple countries, including the United States. Of course, if there was one that was headquartered in Mexico and operated only in Mexico and called itself uh, a Mexican cartel, I can see the rationale for sticking with the phrase Mexican cartel. But Biden is very sensitive. I I would also be sensitive to that issue. Maybe you should be his secretary of state. If it was a a Texas-based cartel that operated only in Texas, I'm sure Texans would probably not like the idea that they were, you know, splashed across the, the media headlines constantly, Texas cartels, you know, killing everybody. And the Texans are going, look, there are criminals in our state. Yes. But that doesn't mean that they're Texan in any way. So when we get to that third topic, Connor will be wrong in these and many other ways. So you have that to look forward to. <laughs> Can't wait. And finally, uh, at the end of the show, as always, we'll have our favorite feature, Guess the Verdict. Connor will be presented with a real life set of facts. And uh, just to give you a little tease, it's about a birthday cake 
gone horribly wrong. So we'll see hmm. if Connor can keep his winning streak going and guess the outcome of this case. So before we get to our top story about uh, whether the California recall is unconstitutional, I did see a very weird uh, little lawsuit up in Oakland against McDonald's. The employees say that the McDonald's franchise owner, instead of giving them nice surgical masks or N95 masks, they were given masks made from dog diapers and coffee filters. Ah. I didn't even know they had dog diapers. I guess sort of I did at some level. I didn't want to dwell on it. But no. I guess, you know, you see uh, whiskers being walked down the street, and hopefully the owner has a plastic bag and all sorts of, you know, equipment sanitized. And, <laughs> and uh, But diapers, I guess, do the same. Maybe they're of, very elderly, and also there's also dog diapers for uh, yeah. female dogs that are in heat. You've got to put a diaper oh, on. It's getting worse all the time. Yeah. So if you were flipping burgers at McDonald's, you probably would resent the boss telling you, here, we ran out of N95s, Connor. Here's a dog diaper. Yeah, Knock yourself I think, out. I think I would. Yeah. yeah I but would coffee think... filters, th- those probably are cleaner than the dog diapers. Well, the dog uh, diapers are probably clean. The yeah, issue is whether they used. protect you. Yeah, they wouldn't be used. They wouldn't dare give them used dog no. diapers. Anyway, the folks complained. They were told, adding insult to injury here, Connor, they were told to wash and reuse these Dear God. masks until they fray, until they begin to fray. Now, I don't know how long it takes for a dog diaper to fray after multiple washings, but that's what Ray Kroc, oh no, he's dead, we can't blame him, but the franchise owner in Oakland, and so big lawsuit, uh, the uh, employee said, we were being treated like dogs, they're giving us dog diapers, we are not dogs, so that he's on the record there. Uh, the further allegation, this gets worse, uh, the franchise owner told his employees to report for work even if they felt ill. Fantastic. Only a little bit ill, you, you got to come in I and, saw and a flip great, the burger. I saw a great comment recently that, you know, compared the labor movement of the past to the labor movement now. And it's a bit of victim blaming, but it is... Uh, it, it is pretty fun to see the contrast between, you know, our grandfathers and grandfathers' fathers, um, uh, which some would call great grandfathers, not I, but some might say that. Right. Um, their labor, their version of the labor movement was everybody at the factory gets together and says, boss, you know, we've decided that eight hours is an honest day's work. Uh, and if you don't like it, we'll burn the factory down. <laughs> And the labor movement now is people wandering around bragging, I worked 75 hours a week at my last job, and we shipped this really cool product. And oh, it's like, get I hope they're getting paid well if they're working 75 hours yeah, a week. get some perspective here. If you're being told to wear dog diapers, you should burn the McDonald's down, and I will exonerate you on your jury. Connor, do for not the, take for the record, my, this Connor's is not just legal kidding. advice. Not, not encouraging legal advice. anybody. Not legal advice. But if I were on your jury, down. I would nullify. But this is not legal advice. So you can't be on the jury. (laughs) So these folks filed a class action, and it's been settled now a week or two ago. And under the settlement, the franchise owner will be, says things are going to be cleaner, social distancing, paid sick leave, deep cleaning of the restaurant, masks and gloves, and dog on it, no more dog diapers or coffee filters. You know, the deepest clean? Burn the place to the ground. So McDonald's has been in trouble with coffee over the years. First, the hot coffee burned (laughs) Stella Lembeck, the 95-year-old lady uh, whose crotch was burned uh, to the third degree. Yeah, And now this. I I don't even know where you would go to buy dog. I'm sure they're available on Amazon. Um, (laughs) So the other point I wanted to get into before we get to our first big topic is, uh, have you heard uh, support for BLM is down? Uh, Since the George Floyd uh, murder, uh, the support has gone for BLM from 60% to 40%. 
I had no idea people were less happy these days with the Bureau of Land Management. It it's a, comes out of a total out of nowhere. Yeah, and I mean, you know why I'm all making, these political movements they shrink. They, they yeah. you know they they ebb and they flow. And there's a major issue in the news, and people uh, you know want to attach themselves to civil rights issues. Um, and then of course when the status quo reasserts itself, and cops don't get defunded, and a real change is not made, and you know people continue to be persecuted and killed. Uh, but it's all out of sight and out of mind. And it's the constant war of civil rights activists to keep it front of mind for people. I mean, that's you, you need a guy like, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. to be out there advocating changing the world. You need a, a, a face that is 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 is, you know, the, the constant face of of the revolution. And I, I think that we're really, really it's impossible to do that these days. I mean, it's really hard to be constantly under the spotlight, connected on the internet, in public as a you know civil rights activist or even a public figure of any kind. I mean, obviously Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, is the best example of that. Even before the internet, uh, he didn't he didn't survive the effort to make this country better, to make the world a better place. So how is anybody supposed to fall in his, in his footsteps and say, yeah, I'm I'm still a a Black Lives Matter activist. I'm out there. I'll put myself out there on the internet. I'll get doxxed. I'll get harassed. I'll get swatted. I'll get fired. I'll get whatever. I mean, it's it's brutal out there. Of so, course it drops. I think your answer has demonstrated something very dramatically, Connor, the yeah. difference between us. You uh, hear a topic and give a thoughtful, sincere answer about an important issue. I go for the cheap joke. So let me explain. No. Let me explain the cheap joke. Yeah. There is a show called The White Lotus. Yeah. And The White Lotus is on HBO Max. It's an eight or nine uh, episode series. And the finale is tonight. Ooh, dramatic. Yeah. Sunday, the uh, the 15th of August. And so um, I've been watching it. I'm going to watch the finale tonight. There is a joke in this show. Mm -hmm. uh, a lady meets a man, and he says he works with the BLM. Mm -hmm. And they're both white, uh, you know, middle-aged white lady and, and, uh, and the guy. And she assumes he's talking about Black Lives Matter. So she tells this black friend of hers, she's all excited. She's going to meet this guy. She's going to have a date with him. He's really into, into BLM. And it turns out he works for black. Uh, for, the Bureau of Land the Bureau Management. Bureau of Land Management. Amazing. Yeah. So this is my way of, of telling everybody this is one of the best shows I've seen in years. Yeah. And so I highly recommend. I am really excited about the finale. Hope you watch it and like the show as well. So let's go to topic number one is the California recall of Governor Newsom unconstitutional. It's heating up. Uh, even uh, the president and uh, the vice president, uh, Harris, uh, are going to try to help Gavin Newsom. I think they're going to fly in and make appearances and so on. So unconstitutional. Why would it be illegal yeah. to try to uh, remove the governor? And, and we know we've talked about it on the show and people generally know because of all the attention paid to this. The deal is this. Uh, the California Californians show up on September 14 and there are two questions. Question number one, do you want to recall Governor Newsom or not? Yes or no. And whoever gets more votes, the yeses or the noes wins. And so if yeses outnumber noes, he finishes out his term. If there's even one more vote for no, then he's out. He's gonzo. Gone, done, and now question over. two be becomes of the following 50 or so people, which would you like to replace uh, Governor Newsom? And it can't be Governor Newsom. He, he's not on the list of 50. That's right. just the rule. Uh, Larry Elder, the now Republican, formerly libertarian, um, uh, 
radio talk show host is in lead, in lead, according to many polls. And so that's how the vote goes. And we know about it because this is what happened to Gray Davis, governor of California, some years ago when Arnold Schwarzenegger wrote his name identification as the right. most recognizable movie star on the planet to the job of governor. And people have strong opinions about how he did, but that's the way it happened. So, right. Erwin Chemerinsky comes along, and, and a lot of people know of Erwin, very uh, well-known public guy. He's the dean at the Berkeley Law School. Not the Bolt Hall Law School. Not anymore. Because they changed the name, because Mr. Bolt, back around 1895, was apparently very evil in some despicable way. And Bad in spite dude. of the fact that he spent a lot of money to start up the law school at Berkeley, doggone it, you know, the name is gone. Sometimes uh, giving a bunch of money uh, to a school to start a law school uh, just isn't a good enough uh, thing to outweigh... Pure evil, you know. Sometimes what you if just he donated if the you, money with express purpose of trying to make a better world and have overcome all the crimes. terrible things. Yeah, make amends for his crimes. Like somebody in AA, they make amends. Yeah, they call up people, great. say, "I, I'm sorry, I yeah. uh, did all these terrible." Maybe that'd be better. Probably, maybe that would be enough. Probably that didn't happen. No, but anyway, maybe we digress. So Irwin is the dean up at Berkeley. Yeah, Irwin. They should call him at the Irwin Law School. He's a constitutional uh, scholar. He's in all of the new newspapers, New York Times. Yeah, LA very Times, big so name. Very. Big Big name. Yeah. And, and, and of course, you bumped into him because he did, I think, one of your bar he prep classes. Taught, right? He taught the constitutional law bar prep class for Barbary in 2015, which is the year I took the bar yeah. exam. And I, I know Erwin from back in the 70s when he was at Northwestern. I was at UCLA. We were on our respective debate teams and bumped into him and I've known him a little bit since then. So let's get to his opinion. He said in a recent New York Times op-ed that the recall law is unconstitutional. Now, uh, why? He says, well, it undermines the uh, votes of the millions of people who voted for Gavin Newsom. Right. And he makes an analogy. He says, it's kind of like the one man, one vote deal. Mm -hmm. Because back in the early 60s, uh, we didn't have one man, vote, one vote. Uh, so instead, you could go to a congressional district and it might have 50,000 people in it. Go to another congressional district, it might have 250,000 voters in it. So... The guy that represents 50,000, you know, is a different, is a real disparity. He really yeah. doesn't, shouldn't have the same power in Congress. Right. It dilutes the power of the votes of the 250,000 yeah. vote group. And so that changed. The Supreme Court said, doggone it, one man, one vote. Of course, nobody says one man, one vote anymore. Now, one person, it's one, one carbon-based unit. Carbon-based unit. Exactly. One vote. Of course, we totally ignore that when it comes to the Senate, which explicitly is an anti-majoritarian oh, absolutely. Uh, mechanism. It, it says, yeah. we're well, here to stop the tyranny of the majority. We're here to make sure that nothing gets done. We've got a couple of dozen mechanisms to stop yeah, the tyranny in, in the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, their, their power to strike down yeah, uh, true. laws, the, the impeachment rules, and so on. So but we do like the idea that when you vote, uh, when everybody votes, the person who gets the most votes, uh, the most people say, I want this person to be governor, that person ends up the governor, then when they have the most votes. And Erwin makes a very good point that you're probably about to get to. I don't mean to step on your toes, but Erwin makes a very good point that mathematically, if you look at it, that is not the case in this scenario because of the up-down first round vote of should Gavin stay, should Gavin go. If you have a hypothetical California in which there are 100 people, right, in the hundred of the 100 people who vote, mm -hmm. 49 say Gavin stays, 51 say Gavin goes. So now we've got uh, Gavin's out, but he got 49 votes. 49% of the population said he should be uh, the governor. 
Then we go to round two, and we have 100 people who all want to be governor. Mm -hmm. And And whoever gets the plurality wins. Exactly. So even if only... uh, A person with 5% of the vote Yeah, Larry Elder gets 5% of the vote, or some random YouTuber you've never heard of. Which is likely to happen, given the fact there are 50 people. Yeah, gets 5% A a lot of of them are totally unknown, so they're going to get negligible amounts. Yeah, but maybe Larry Elder gets 11%, and maybe he wins in that way. So Larry gets 11% of the vote. Gavin got 49% of the vote, and Larry's the governor. And right. that's what Irwin says is a problem. Right. When we come back, we're going to talk about whether Irwin's opinion sucks hard. <laughs> uh, but meantime, Connor's going to tell us how to uh, rate uh, and subscribe to Too Many Lawyers. If you like listening to two dudes talk about sucking hard, you should check us out on Apple Podcast. Wait, hold on. Let's take run two. That back. Take two. Run that back. Uh, so check us out on whatever podcast platform you like best: Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever. Um, and leave us a review because you know if you're just checking us out every week or every couple of weeks and you check in, oh, there's new episodes. Let's listen to it. We really appreciate it if you hit that subscribe button or that follow button, depending on the platform, because that's where you get the numbers so that more people actually see the pod. So we really appreciate it. And if you want to leave us a review, like a five stars or a five out of five or a little comment, hey. Royal Oaks is great. I love his dulcet tones. Uh, We'd really appreciate that as well. We'll be right back on Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. We're talking about Professor Erwin Chemerinsky's opinion, Dean Chemerinsky up at uh, Berkeley Law School, uh, that the California recall vote uh, or system is unconstitutional. And here's why um, Erwin's view is full of crap. Uh, he first says, well, it's unconstitutional. Well, of course, it's not unconstitutional in California because it's the California Constitution that sets up the recall system. Yeah. So no problem there. Presumably, he's talking about the federal constitution. Sure. Uh, and he thinks you know, it undermines uh, millions of people who voted for Newsom. Right. But the fact of the matter is that the people have a right, whether it's the federal system or the state system, to set up a mechanism for pulling people out of office. At the federal system, we don't have a recall deal. We have an impeachment option so that the Congress would kick out bad judges, bad presidents, bad vice presidents. Similarly, at the state level, we have a recall mechanism, and it isn't a matter of Congress doing it. It's a matter of the people doing it. If a majority or or a plurality, more no's than yes's, say we want the governor out, that's what happens. So I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with allowing the people a mechanism for getting rid of bad people. And if that means uh, making the folks unhappy who voted for Newsom, well, let's think back to 1972. Richard Nixon, everybody's favorite, won in a huge landslide, 49 states to one. Can you imagine that happening today? It's unbelievable. One party winning 49 states and the other one cannot happen. Totally different world. One of the biggest landslides in American history. And guess what happens a year and a half later? He's out of there. So that the gigantic majority of American people, we just spit in their eye. We, we don't care about your vote. We're going to make Gerald Ford president instead. And he didn't get a single vote from yeah. anybody yeah. For, for, the, for the presidency. Why? Because we have a system have a that system, says yeah. if you got a bad person. So for Irwin to cobble together some weird analogy to one man, one vote that really doesn't apply, I think it's irresponsible. And, and here's my problem with, with Irwin's rationale. Mm-hmm. Why would somebody like Irwin do this? If you know Irwin out there, you know like I know, having uh, interacted with him a bit over the years, uh, there are two things about him. He's a wonderful human being. He is kind, compassionate, and decent. Number two, he is hugely smart, like off-the-chart smart. That's Erwin Chemerinsky. So how can a guy like that go so wrong on this? And I have a theory. Erwin is so wedded 
to the idea that progressives must win every single battle, that he concocts, like a good lawyer, the strongest possible argument every time he weighs in, and he weighs in a lot. Mm -hmm. The problem is, in some percentage of those cases, the progressive argument sucks. Now, maybe that's 75% of the time, or 20% or 10, depends on your point of view. But Irwin's with them 100% of the time, so that means whatever position percentage that sucks, 10 or 20, let's give the progressives the benefit of the doubt, he's still in there. I think it's a form of delusion to ignore common sense and a sense of compromise. My extremist homies are always right every single time, and I'm clever enough to craft an argument for them that'll pass the red face test. That is the danger of being so all in on a political ideology that you concoct, you know, you get your your lawyer mind working and you concoct an argument that uh, that. Sounds good in a vacuum. And I would agree with you that the idea of Erwin Chemerinsky writing, uh, taking his platform with his megaphone and writing this opinion article right before Gavin's uh, election is ill-advised. It's not the right way to say this is a bad system. There are other strategies. There are other strategies. If you want to change the California Constitution to change the recall system, You should do that. And he should do that. And unfortunately, there is no easy mechanism to do that. And so instead, he's reduced to writing a a well, you know, well-reasoned and well-supported op-ed in which he, uh, you know, explains how in this one tiny scenario, maybe the Supreme Court could weigh in and make make this system right and say this is unconstitutional and thus fix it. But that is a complete like one off yeah. uh, no, duct tape solution you. on like a leaky boat. And to say and to to advocate for progressive politics, uh, political aims by advocating for a duct tape one off solution that is never going to happen because the Supreme Court's super conservative anyway, is not only useless, but it's actually counterproductive because it feeds the narrative that people on both sides should just come up with the best arguments at the 11th hour to try to support a guy like Gavin Newsom. And say Gavin Newsom loses and we end up with, uh, you know, Governor Larry Elder and he starts doing a bunch of really, really bad stuff. Then Erwin Chemerinsky gets to sit back and go, well, I said it was unconstitutional. And did that's, did you know, my best. And it's like that. No, you didn't do your best. You should have been for years trying to change our insane recall process, wherein a guy like Gavin Newsom can get 49 percent of the vote on a recall, which is very easy to gin up support, as we've seen this year. It's very easy when, I don't know, there's a friggin plague. It's very easy to gen up support for get rid of this guy because we think somebody else would do better. And then, boom, you end up with a 5% uh, or an 11 or 20% uh, uh, of the vote supporting a guy who ends up being governor. It's so nuts. I agree with you in part, but here's where I disagree. And here's okay. what really pisses me off about Irwin's position and the position of those who say, oh, the recall is terrible. It's inherently uh, flawed and so on. There yeah. should be no recall. Just let other, other systems work. The Democrats have it completely their way in California. And of course, the anger bubbling up inside of me is caused by the fact that I'm not a Democrat. I'm a Republican. Right. But they're not satisfied with the fact that for many years they have won every single statewide office from treasurer to governor, lieutenant governor, all half a dozen of them. In addition, super majorities in both the assembly and the state Senate, not just a bare majority, super majorities in both of them and a huge registration advantage, something like 24 percent Republicans and, you know, 40, 45 percent Democrats. Right. That's not enough for Democrats. Democrats want to crush 
any notion of dissent from their gigantic juggernaut advantage by demeaning and wanting to get rid of the, the recall. Give me a break. The only time there's any sense of centrism in California is when you have ballot propositions. There have been ballot proposition votes in California amid this huge Democrat advantage yep. saying affirmative action, we don't really like it. Saying capital punishment, we, we, we kind of love it. Yeah. How about giving them that slight opportunity to express their view? It reminds me, Connor, of a Norm McDonald joke. Ooh. And you know how much I love Norm. Big so fan. here's Norm's joke. He says, um, and this is when he was on Saturday Night Live doing Weekend Update, and it was announced that Bill Gates was the richest man in the world once again. So Norm said, it was announced again that Bill Gates is still the world's richest person. Uh, he reacted, saying that although he's gratified by his success, it still makes him sad when he looks around and sees other people with any money whatsoever. Great joke, Norm. Great joke. Hey, isn't it prescient of you mm-hmm. to to imagine the California situation? Democrats are like Bill Gates there. Yes. They don't want anybody. They they literally want to make Republicans extinct. And maybe they sleep at night by saying to themselves, well, we're the good guys and they're the bad guys, so why should there be a two-party system? But, you know, one-party systems generally I, lead to really look, bad things. I, I agree with you 100% that Democrats want to have it 100% their way in California. They don't want to face any opposition whatsoever. They just want to, you know, steamroll everything. And the problem uh, that, that leads to that, uh, that causes that brain sickness of, of uh, political animals in this country is that when we have any sort of parity, it is very easy to make sure that nothing gets done. And so then we get a big advantage in a progressive state like California, semi-progressive state like California. And then you still see nothing gets done because Democratic politicians are also still in the pocket of capital, big business, uh, companies that have the money and power to lobby. They generally just ignore leftists' ideas regardless. And they, you know, govern from the middle. And it looks like the most, you know, democratic state in the uh, in the entire union or maybe second or third uh, at this point. But they are not doing wildly crazy progressive things, which is the the progressive idea is just kind of throw everything until at the wall and see what sticks. Right. It's just government action. Just do stuff, make changes, make the world a better place. Right. And the government is the right vehicle to do it. And that's absolutely not how Democrats in California govern. And so when Democrats see that the the, they look at the, the tiny amount of power that Republicans have in this state, they say, oh, well, they must be the impediment. They must be the problem. No, they're not the problem. The problem is how much money there is in politics. Politics, such that Democrats are still controlled by the same powerful moneyed interests that would be running the Republican Party if the Republican Party were a real force in American po- in California politics. And so it, there's, it can never be enough for progressives because we're not getting what we want. So, of course, we have to go further. Of course, we have to be more extreme. Now, if I zoom out big picture and Erwin Chemerinsky and you and I sit down to write the, 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 the California constitutional govern- gubernatorial recall process— Are we going to do this dumb thing where we disenfranchise half the voters, where 49 percent say uh, keep Gavin and then they have no. And when they lose on that issue, they have no further say in if you chop this up and you had a heads up vote on yes and no on Gavin Newsom, 51 percent. And then three months later, okay, Gavin's going to go. We're going to have a new election. Who's going to be the replacement governor? Is it going to be Larry Elder? Is it going to be some Democrat? Is it going to be some uh, John Cox, a conservative, whatever? And in that secondary election, you said to everyone who voted uh, to keep Gavin Newsom. Oh, I'm so sorry because you voted for keep Gavin Newsom. You don't get to vote. 
You just go stay home. Your votes don't count. You voted wrong in the last election, and therefore, we just don't care about your opinion. We only care about the opinion of the people who like Larry Elder and John Cox for some reason. Is that a good system? No, that's a banana stupid system. But is Erwin Chimerinsky writing this op-ed saying, I think it's unconstitutional, like during the election, when people are casting their votes, in a way that will not change the outcome, but he just feels safe to do so because he has this big, huge megaphone and this huge platform, and he could just spout his opinions about how bad the system is. You're right, the system's bad. So fix the system, change the system. Don't say, well, we should slap a, a, a big strip of duct tape on this one and make sure Gavin just stays in office even after he loses our dumb election. Yeah, I agree. That's, the, that's I like agree. the Trump, and, oh, in my whoa. opinion, that's like the Trumpers saying reinstate Trump. Like, Although, that, don't solve one problem at a mm -hmm. time. Make the system right, and then it will produce the right results. Yep, uh, I agree. Uh, topic number two, should doctors be forced to do sex change operations? Mm -hmm. So here's the background. Yeah. Uh, five years ago, President Obama was uh, the Obama administration in 2016, right, uh, right. before the election. Yep. Uh, they had a mandate, and it forces doctors and hospitals to do transgender surgeries if a mental health professional blessed it. There was no exemption for a conscience problem or a religious objection. That's just the law. Uh, so now, President Joe Biden has re-upped the mandate that we'll require doctors to do transgender surgeries, even if it's against their conscience. And of course, it's a subject of litigation and a federal court has blocked Biden's mandate. Uh, it's a Northern District of Texas federal judge. Uh, the plaintiffs involved were a religious hospital and a group of uh, like 20,000 uh, doctors. And so a big decision was issued by U.S. District Judge Reed O'Connor in Texas. He reversed the requirement of the Obama administration that called for doctors to perform gender transition operations on a patient of any age or face legal action. And part of the decision said it's critically important that doctors are able to continue serving patients in keeping with their consciences and their professional medical judgment, especially when it comes to the personal health choices of families and children. So this uh, this is such a controversial issue. I'm wondering what your thought is kind of from a progressive standpoint. Yeah. Should doctors be able to say, hey, hey I'll take out your appendix and your gallbladder, but I'm not going there. I'm not yeah. doing this exchange. So, as always, it's more complicated than it looks. Obama had uh, uh, passed a, a, a health uh, protection, a health care protection, where they said trans people must be free of discrimination. They cannot be discriminated against in healthcare. That means if somebody walks into your office and they're trans and they say, I need help for my, with my diabetes, you as a doctor cannot say, I won't treat your diabetes, right? That was the Obama administration rule. But that rule can be construed a lot of ways and can go a pretty extreme direction. If you walk into a plastic surgeon's office and you say, hi, I'm trans and I have, you know, and I want to get a gender reassignment surgery, mm -hmm. you can construe this Obama-era rule as saying, well, then you have to perform that surgery. Now, is the Obama-era rule saying that somebody has to perform a surgery that they're not qualified to perform? No, I'm sure it is. Of course not. Is the Obama-era rule saying that if you walk into an office of some guy who does uh, facelifts, that he has to figure out how to do gender reassignment uh, bottom sure surgery? No, of course it doesn't. So how? who is this hypothetical doctor who is skilled and experienced and capable of doing gender reassignment surgeries, but who says, whoa, 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 trans person, 
I won't do your gender reassignment surgery well, because I, I have a moral objection I'm, to you. I don't even what? play a doctor on TV, much less being it's a nonsense. doctor. It's nonsense. But, but there must be a bunch of doctors out there, urologists and general surgeons, who would be perfectly qualified, not the, the GP, not the pediatrician, uh, not the plastic surgeon, but there got to be a bunch of them well, uh, you don't who become involved. You don't become a doctor who does gender reassignment surgery and has ever done a gender reassignment surgery before. Uh, and then says, I, I have a, 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 an objection to it. And if you for some reason did, say you went to medical school and then you did a plastic surgery rotation and then you did a fi- plastic surgery uh, focus in, in residency. And now you're making a bajillion dollars because they make so much goddamn money, I'm sure. And then you uh, have a focus, a, a subspecialty uh, where maybe you do a fellowship and you learn about doing gender reassignment surgeries. And then you perform a bunch of gender reassignment surgeries. And then I don't know, maybe you're a born again Christian. And then you say, mm-hmm. ah, I've changed my mind. Now I have right. a, a, a political. A, 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 a religious objection, okay? In that hypothetical scenario where you are absolutely capable and skilled uh, You'd at doing the surgery. You'd be comfortable forcing them to do the surgery? But you, then they decide they're no longer going to, to do it. Right. I am not comfortable, of course, perform, forcing a surgeon to perform a surgery that he or she is not comfortable performing. For example, if the surgeon says, I can't operate on this child, it's my son. Mm-hmm. And the surgeon's the mom or whatever. Like, that's, the, right? that's the scenario. We know that we shouldn't have doctors cutting on people if they're not comfortable with it. But guess what? It's not a real problem. The real problem is that the Obama administration said you can't discriminate against trans people in healthcare. period. The Trump administration overturned that. They said, actually, you can discriminate against trans people on the basis of them being trans because you are uh, you know, a bigot, have a religious objection, whatever. And then now Biden is trying to overturn Trump's overturning of the Obama era protection, which was supposed to put into effect the the effect of the uh, the anti this anti discrimination law that passed through Congress. So so um, Obama said this is how we're going to enforce this congressional law about anti discrimination sex discrimination in uh, that passed through Congress. We're going to say trans people fall under sex discrimination. That was the the that was what the executive was doing. Uh, Trump comes in and kicks that out and says actually we're overturning that. Now Biden comes in and kicks that out and says actually we're overturning that. And now a conservative judge in Texas is trying to overturn Biden and say, actually, no, he's wrong. We're kicking that out. We're just flipping back and forth about whether trans people should have health care and whether, you know, the conservative sort of media machine finds the absolute best possible scenario to highlight, which is to say, well, should people who don't want to be performing surgery have to perform that surgery? No, that's horrifying. That's a real problem. The idea that you would put a gun to a surgeon's head and say, perform a surgery that theoretically you're unqualified for or just even not motivated to do. Obviously, that's a bad outcome. But in the same way, we we have like that's a, an extreme example when we should really be focusing on what does it mean to protect trans people who need health care in in lots of different ways. Does that mean somebody who is, say, a um, what's the kind of doctor that does hormones? I can't remember. Uh, oh, uh, uh, ooh, uh, 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 the, the kind of doctor who, who deals Not a with rheumatologist. Your, your endocrine system. Yes. Uh, you, you go in. Endocrinologist. Uh, yeah, thank you. There we are. Thank, I couldn't think of it. You go into your endocrinologist uh, and you say, I want to get, you know, hormones or whatever I, 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 because I'm, I'm trans and something like that. This person is perfectly qualified to know how to write the, the standard prescription to give you gender affirming hormones that will uh, change your body to make it match your gender identity. That person, it doesn't matter whether they, uh, you know, have to swallow their their religious objection or their pride or, or whatever, their disgust at who you are and, and what your body looks like right now and, and write you that prescription for those, uh, for estradiol uh, to get those injections. They should have to do that. 
There's no danger there that they'll get the dosage wrong. But when we put it in the specific gender reassignment surgery lens and we think, should they right. be performing surgery? They should. First of all, again, as I said, it's not a real problem. It's a made up problem because there's nobody who's qualified to do gender reassignment surgery who doesn't want to do it on moral grounds because how the heck did they get there? But in this hypothetical born again Christian surgeon scenario who knows how to do it and doesn't want to do it anymore, that guy should no longer be able to. Yeah, you know, yeah, should you know be what? able to say I'm going to discriminate on this back. And you know what? I I agree with you, and as a result, I'm going to get a checkup because you know there's something Absolutely. very strange if, if you and I agree on that. <laughs> when we come back, should Mexico be suing American gun makers? Mm-hmm. Stick with us. Uh, too many lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. Now I'm Connor Oaks. So Mexico, the government of, has filed suit in Massachusetts uh, against American gun makers. That's uh, called forum shopping, yeah, by the way. <laughs> absolutely. There's a flood of uh, guns that have been, it's been going, they've been going down to Mexico, a lot of bloodshed, uh, guns made by Colt, appear to be directly targeted to a Mexican audience with Spanish nicknames and themes that resonate in Mexico. One of them, a special edition 38 pistol, is engraved uh, with the name of a revolutionary Mexican hero. There's probably a Pancho Villa special. So the Mexican government says, you know, you guys, you're killing us down here, literally and figuratively. Uh, The problem is U.S. federal law guarantees that gun manufacturers have a strong shield against being sued by victims of gun violence and their relatives. So probably Mexico is going to have bad news in court, but I think their attitude is they might inspire new laws. Uh, The Department of Justice is saying 70% of the firearms submitted for tracing in Mexico in the last uh, several years originated in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's your take, Connor? You, you think that the, if you're on the jury in the, in the big federal case in Massachusetts and uh, you have your, uh, have your big vote, uh, would you be more partial to uh, the Mexican government or, or the Colt 45 people? I think that, the, that if I'm on the jury... Uh, I'm going to be the uh, the hopefully the one on the jury who can explain to the other jurors voice of reason. The, yeah, is the, that where you're the, headed on the, this? This is a political process where the the government of Mexico is saying to the government of the United States, you have to change the way that you regulate the manufacturing gun manufacturing companies in your country and the way that they export guns and how you control the border as it how porous in terms of how porous it is for guns coming from uh, America to Mexico in legal and illegal ways. This is a cry for help and political attention from Mexico to say, look, America, you've got to shape up. And it's also a cry for $10 billion. That's how much they want to damage. Sure. But I mean, they could get more than that. That's that's the amount that they, you know, ask for on the Mm -hmm. pleadings because they're just looking for a teeny tiny amount that's irrelevantly small, which is 10 billion dollars so that the judge might be willing. They, they're trying to look for a sympathetic American federal judge who might say, yeah, this is a problem. I'm going to uh, I'm going to write an opinion saying that Mexico is correct and therefore that Congress will then act. Right. So they're lobbying. The, the, basically, Mexico is acting like this uh, this judge uh and the jury, and then eventually on appeal, the judge who writes an, uh, an opinion that might be, you know, precedential uh, at the, the next level, and then maybe even the Supreme Court. All right, it gets to the Supreme Court, it would conservatives would kick it down, of course, protect America. But <laughs> if if it if they find sympathetic judges along the way, it might lead to congressional action to protect American gun manufacturers. Uh, 
where they say, okay, you can't sue us in this new way uh, because Mexico, we recognize you're, you're our neighbor. Uh, this is a political issue. We're going to do some things to mollify you and to try to solve this problem and to change our policies in a way that, that makes you happy. Um, because theoretically, the, the, the stick at the end of this is that theoretically Mexico could go through the court system and uh, get a bunch of money from our gun manufacturers. And our gun manufacturers, Smith & Wesson, is not going to allow Congress to allow Mexico to do this and extract money from them. So that that's like this political mechanism. Right. The idea of being a juror sitting on this case is who cares what your opinion is? Well, your opinion is, you know, it changes which, you know, which way the, the, the reversal or affirmation will be of the judge at the next level up while all the congressional members of Congress are watching this happen and saying it, irrelevant to, to what the uh, jury in the federal courtroom uh, or even the judge in the federal courtroom says. This is fundamentally a dispute between superpowers, right? Or powers. This is a dispute between Mexico and the U.S. And the U.S. gets to regulate its gun manufacturers and, and, and guns in the way that it wants. Mexico gets to do the same, but they affect each other. And so they have to come to the bargaining table and come mm-hmm. to a compromise as neighbors to say, this is how guns should flow back and forth between our two countries. Is this really about $10 billion? No. This is about gun violence. A minute this ago. Manufacturing and import export. A minute ago, you characterized how the U.S. Supreme Court might react to this if the, this matter percolated up to it. And I believe what you said was uh, uh, protect America. <laughs> and I know, I happen to know, I saw a recent speech by Amy Coney Barrett, and at one point she said, protect America. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, I was surprised that to learn she's half Wolverine. Yeah. And so I think that involves yeah. diversity on the U.S. Absolutely. Supreme Court. Absolutely. She's our first half Wolverine justice. Finally, guess the verdict, our feature where I give Connor some real world facts about a court case and he gets to guess who won and who lost. So are you ready to go to Conway, Arkansas? I'm, I'm ready to get back on this horse. I know I've missed one of these now. My, my record's, I think, four for five or three for four. You're doing great. Uh, but I got to increase that batting average. So we're, we're in Conway, Arkansas. Okay. We're waving at Hillary. We're not trying to lock you up, Hillary. We're just talking about a bakery in Conway. Okay. A bakery customer gets a birthday cake and doggone if the baker didn't misspell the birthday boy's name. Bummer. So the customer comes back and is not happy and complains and the owner says, not the problem. Not a problem. We're going to make you a second cake for free. Oh, nice. He has a conversation with the baker. Conversation was a little tense and um, the baker took the criticism personally so he spiked the second cake with laxatives. Oh my God. So the birthday boy and 16 staffers in his office uh, share the cake, and the baker is now facing 16 counts of battery. So it's a criminal case, Connor. Uh, who do you think won? Uh, did the baker? Um, I want to know how many convicted? candles were on the cake. Was it 16 candles for the 16? Just like the song. I don't know. I don't know, but I, we know there were 16 helpings of laxative in there. <laughs> So, so as we as we uh, as we all learned uh, in in law school, uh, battery does not just involve uh, the uh, physical touching of another with your body, right? If I punch you in the mouth, um, then that's a battery, and I uh, that's a crime. The assault is the threat, and the battery is the actual touching. Exactly. If I hit you in the back of the head and you don't see it coming, no assault because you, you there's no threat, no fear. It you is just, still go to prison. Still go to prison for just battery. You can also batter someone uh, with a non with an indirect touching. If you grab their shirt 
and you throw it on the ground or you uh, throw or blow a cigar smoke in their face has been held to be a battery. Yeah. Or uh, aggressively grab a plate out of your hand in a buffet line and tell you you are not allowed in this buffet line. <laughs> it's my creme brulee. Yeah. Well, a, a, a southern racist uh, hotelier uh, went up to a, a, a rocket scientist at a rocket rocketry convention who was black. Why and were he, they in Birmingham for this convention? Good question. Uh, and he yanked the, the plate out of his hand and said, no, people of your race in my buffet, sir, get out. Uh, and that was a battery. And uh, so these indirect batteries are absolutely, and you spit in somebody's face, that's a battery. You don't even have to, yeah, as you said, cigar smoke is a great example. Ethereal, not even really physical at all. There's barely particles of, of physicality involved. Uh, in this case, spiking somebody's laxative, absolutely battery. Clear cut, uh, no question. Um, I'm never going to look at a birthday cake the same way. You're right. You are. You've won the uh, the contest. I will never ask to speak to anyone's guilty. manager ever, <laughs> no matter how badly they wrong me, because I I just know that it will come back to bite me. So, Connor, your guess the verdict record is still very excellent. Very good. So next week, uh, I'll just give you a little tease here. The next guess the verdict uh, topic it involves a codger attorney accused of destroying evidence with a microwave oven. So that is going to be the subject of the case Love it. Connor will have to guess about next week. And Connor, no checking the internet okay. to, okay. to see how that turned out. We'll see you next time, folks, on Too Many Lawyers. Have a great week.